0: Welcome to the Scrimber Podcast. On this weekly show, I speak with successful developers about their advice on learning to code and getting your first junior developer job. Today, I'm joined by Milos who, would you believe it, used to work at Cirque du Soleil. Now, I know what you're thinking, but he did not work as a gymnast nor a circus ringmaster, but rather an automation technician. There's a lot to that job and a small, small part of it was coding. So when the pandemic hit and unfortunately all the shows came to a halt, Milosh decided to pursue programming and web development as a potential career avenue. And today I'm really excited to share that Milosh succeeded and became a junior developer, in part using Scrimbo. I'm really excited to see what we can learn from Milosh, so let's get into it.
1: I started my career around 10 years ago in entertainment, starting on the cruise ships and I started as a, just a techie man backstage, hooking up bands and setting up scenery. And there I pushed to learn more about automation, which is very kind of niche market uh, specific type of job that you don't see in a lot of places. Anything that you see in shows, in theater that moves, that's basically automation. When, when you see performers flying through the air or something like that, or uh, any massive scenery moving around, that's basically what I've done. So yeah, I got promoted into that and I loved it. It was just the best job ever, to be honest. And the job is like you you become, I don't know, a master of a lot of things because you you deal with PLCs, programming PLCs. You deal with a lot of different softwares. Then on the other side, you deal with uh, mechanics, uh, with electronics, with hydraulics, with random stuff just all the time. So yeah, that's when I, I kind of found a little bit of interest in coding because It's kind of all connected and you you want to know how it all works behind the scenes, I guess. What
0: is a PLC exactly? I I just searched it up. Is it programmable logic controller?
1: Yeah, so it's uh, basically if you have a winch, you would have a PLC in between your desk and the motor that will talk to that motor and tell it to what position to go, to what speed it wants to go to, and uh, what acceleration, deceleration, all of the fun stuff. It tells it where, where's the limit switches and stuff like that. So that's what makes in theater every single show exactly perfect and the same, because you would want it, you know, the flights to always be the same and safe. That's what, where the PLC comes into play.
0: And you program that with a specific language or is it using some visual software? Uh,
1: Well, yeah, visual software. And yeah, you can dive into that kind of world where you can learn how to program uh, backoffs and uh, uh, CMNs, PLCs and yeah, also like coding kind of side of it. But it's all connected when you you think of it. Um, It's all kind of connected.
0: Sounds awesome. I've never met someone who got into programming that way. And it sounds like, yeah, you're having a great time. Like, I I guess you got to travel a bit, whether it was on the cruise ships or, or setting up in different places. I guess when the pandemic hit, that was kind of, yeah, not good news for the the stuff you were doing. No,
1: absolutely. Yeah, I've I've been to around with cruise ships and uh, touring with Cirque du Soleil as well.
0: You worked at Cirque du Soleil, that's amazing. Yeah,
1: I ended up being around like 60 plus countries. That was amazing experience and you just don't find that in any, any other job, at least I've never seen it. But yeah, my goal was continuously to push and learn more and to be able to get to the level that you get into Cirque du Soleil. Like Cirque du Soleil was always, you know, stuff that people talk about like, you know, best of the best go there and stuff like that. And yeah, I, I, I was working for cruise ships and then from there I moved to Australia, and started living there. And then from there I moved to Macau, worked for, in casino uh, for six months. And then from there I finally made it to Cirque du Soleil. So that's the span of uh, like 10 years of my career. To build up to get to that point.
0: Would it be fair to say that Cirque du Soleil is like the the Microsoft or the Google of the of the theater
1: world? Yeah, pretty much, exactly. And yeah, like I I loved it. Like it was the best thing ever. But for me, it was like cut short so, so, so much because I was only there for four months before the pandemic hit. So I dropped everything. I moved to Europe and joined Cirque du Soleil. And I was in Germany when everything uh, hit. And entertainment is the first one who got shut down. I mean, not even air companies or, you know, hotels were not shut down. The, the entertainment was first to go. It was pretty devastating. I was there with my missus, and um, yeah, we were both working there. And yeah, we, we just, uh, in March, we had to move back to Melbourne. It was a hard moment, I guess, losing all of it, just when you got it. But yeah, I mean, as I I was born in Serbia, and I lived there most of my life, I've kind of lived in very turbulent uh, country where I didn't have much and um, had to yeah make it from nothing so i kind of was in some sense prepared for it all i've seen worse i guess so when it all happened and i came back to australia i was like well you know what it could be worse i've seen worse i've, I've um, experienced it and uh, at least here we we had a government that was paying us for that first year when it hit we had you know food on the table roof over our heads so it wasn't that terrible.
0: It wasn't great, but you had a good outlook, didn't you? Yes, exactly. You started, I guess, quite quickly to take some of that enthusiasm for configuring software. And Yes. Were you, did you start learning to code like, front-end websites? Was that the first thing you tried?
1: <laughs> so it was bizarre. My, my missus was actually pissed off at me because we, um, we came from Germany to Melbourne into a lockdown. Well, not lockdown, first isolation, right? Uh, we uh, got Airbnb and got in two weeks isolation. And I decided, well, I have to do something with myself. This, it's all a question mark. Nobody knew what's going to happen, how long it's going to go for, like it was all up in the air. So I wanted to, rather than think of all of the bad things, I I decided to get straight away into something, use that time, those two weeks. And she was actually pissed at me because we didn't spend that much time together, even though we were at the same uh, place isolating. I got a, a course online. I, I just wanted to see if I will be interested to learn more about coding. And I got, I don't even remember what was the, the course. It was just something that I wanted to try out to see help keep my attention or not. After those two weeks, I was like, yeah, I, I can see myself doing this. And I found it interesting. And I was always kind of interested in it, but never had time to actually spend time and properly learn it. So, yeah, when we got out of that isolation, we pretty much went straight into the lockdown. Most of the countries did. And, yeah, I decided, well, I have to be inside of the house anyway. I'll use this time. I'll I'll use this year or however long this takes to learn something and to better myself. So I jumped into computer science like uh, for an um, actual uh, bachelor's degree. I went full on. I was like, OK, I'm going to dedicate myself. I'm going to do this. There's nothing else to do. Like, either I'm going to sit and watch Netflix all day um, or play games or something and do nothing, basically, or I'm actually going to learn something. I set my plan. I was like, I'm going to do a whole year of this. And then next year, I'm going to start applying for jobs. And that's what I did. I went full on applying into the uni and getting four units done that year. And that was C++. There was some C Sharp. There was a lot of SQL and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. This is all happening and I'm I'm progressing and all of that. And then I finished that year and I was like, okay, I need to apply for jobs. And when I looked at the market, I was like, well, it's very hard to get into a job or you're going to get a job as C++ engineer or something like that as a you know just nobody most of the jobs are web development so I was like well I have no clue about this <laughs> I have no knowledge about this I, I I have to learn this now and then I uh jumped on Scrimba. I, I was just googling um uh, to see where's like a whole package that I can find and uh just learn it and not waste time like I, I, I needed to find job yesterday
0: just a quick question Milos if you don't mind I'm just wondering most kind of bachelor degrees doing computer science are like what three three four years maybe but I think you're describing sort of looking for a job after a year can you just fill me in
1: yeah so it's uh here in Australia at least it's uh either part-time or full-time and uh, it's online. Well, everything is online now, but they were offering online or, or in-person back then. So I was like, perfect. If I get a job, I can do it part-time.
0: You're still studying, essentially. You're just doing it alongside a full-time job. Yes. That's cool. Okay, good for you, man. How does Scrembo compare to like the online university experience? There's a unit
1: that does web development and I haven't taken it. I'm actually interested in doing it just to see and compare it. The units that I've done are pretty good. I enjoy it. But yeah, I'm I'm interested to see how web development specific subject compares. I'll probably find out next year. But yeah, I started doing Scrimba. And um, it's like you make a plan and then you start adjusting it because you figure out, well, I need to know web development. I have to learn all of this stuff. And then when you do that, you're like, okay, I can start applying for jobs. But I guess I need a nice looking CV. (laughs) Then you start chasing up a CV. I ended up just buying a CV, I think on Etsy or something like that. Oh, really? Yeah. Like you can get CVs that are like 10, 15 bucks, like uh, not really expensive or crazy, but enough to stand up. You know, I was like, okay, so now I'm set. I have a bunch of courses that I've done online. I have a I started a uni so I can put all of that on CV. Okay, I need to sort out my LinkedIn. Okay, you know, change all of that like to be specific because I'm transitioning from this whole background that is uh, automation to, to something completely new. So you have to tailor that. After that I was like, well, I might as well make a portfolio or something. So then I started doing that and then figuring out how Netlify works and how I can like host it and make it work then following that is like okay well everybody talks about you have to have a github you have to have you know all of these things so it's like okay so this is like just building and building it's like it takes time it, it, it actually takes a lot of time
0: If you are enjoying this episode of the weekly Scrimba podcast, please do us a favor and share it with your friends on social media. Word of mouth is the single best way to support a podcast that you like. So thanks in advance. Next week, I'm really excited to bring you an episode with Florian Pop, who is the author of 10 plus plus ways to make money as a developer. In the episode, we talk about the book and its contents, which basically outline a bunch of different ways you can make money as a developer, such as the traditional career routes. There's nothing wrong with that, and Florian agrees. But we also spoke about freelancing, how to create your own content. We even spoke about starting your own technology-based businesses and products. It all requires a lot of hard work, and there's no. guarantee of success, but I'm super excited to lay out all the options
1: for you with Florin. When I look back at my journey, I would do it the exact same way. I started creating content for free and then when I saw a need in the market, I created a digital product, my book, and then the course and the next thing will be a SaaS eventually. Besides my passion for programming and my passion for teaching and inspiring others, I also am passionate about the business side of things. What I've learned along the way is that it's very wise to have multiple sources of income and not just rely on one source because if that source crashes then you are in a bad situation and you want to avoid that that is next week
0: on the weekly scrimber podcast It's going to be an amazing episode so please make sure you subscribe in your podcast app of choice be that spotify google podcasts apple podcasts whatever you like and i'll see you there back to the interview with milosh can I can I ask you Milosh what was your sort of strategy and how did you manage your time in doing this because if you see me glancing at my other monitor, it's because I'm, I'm checking out your portfolio, your GitHub and your LinkedIn and your resume. I'm so impressed with all of them. They look amazing and they have so much content within them. Like you've actually got a few projects and you've written descriptions for each project and a bit more information. I think a lot of people aspire to do that, but it's quite a lot of hard work. Things get in the way sometimes.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I, I think it's important to understand that you do get discouraged and you do give up in certain times when you get burned out like if you smash yourself and I've done it so many times I've done you know days and after days of just coding and learning and learning you see that moment when you're like I just spent two hours and I have no idea what I was looking at I have no idea what I've learned I didn't learn anything and you have to give up basically on that day you have to go and recharge and do something completely different there's definitely those moments where you just like feel terrible you know you're like well I'm never gonna learn all of this you know you have to learn all the basics all the html css uh, javascript and then you jump into react and then all of a sudden well you need to learn how to use git and then besides that you have to learn how to use command line you know it's very important as well and it's just building upon building and you're like how am i gonna master all of this like there's there's never enough time and it's just like insane
0: it's like the first thing you learn like the first thing you really learn is that you can't learn it all and then like you don't realize how little you know until you've gone down that path for a while and then you realize well it's okay right because that's why there are specialists and there are different skill sets but yeah it's overwhelming for sure.
1: One of the things that helped me a lot was I have a friend from uni his name is Brad and he like was continuously bugging me to get uh, Linux on my system, so he's like, install the Linux. It's it's pretty cool. You you learn a lot. You know, it's gonna be painful to set it all up. It's gonna be all this. I was like, you know, you're not really selling me on this, <laughs> but he's like, you know, but you'll learn a lot. Um, so we went and, and installed uh, Arch Linux, which is painful. So
0: let me get this right. Your first (laughs) Linux distribution was Arch Linux, which is often regarded the most advanced version of Linux. Not exactly playing on easy mode, are you, Milosh?
1: No, but um, yeah, that helped me a lot because once it was set up, I started using it for coding, specifically just work um, and study. And, you know, when I finally got a job using command line continuously, just sped up a lot of things that I bumped into work. I was like, oh, okay, well, I know this. Like, yeah, 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 this makes sense.
0: You work at a company called Walker Corporation. What is the role exactly and how did it come about?
1: So I started applying for jobs in January, right? It was one of those things when you apply for, you know, hundreds of jobs and, you know, hope to get a call from one company. In the meantime, I got a job actually working for Harry Potter, uh, like I was back in the theater. And this specific job I applied... Uh, back then in January and I got a call actually in March. Uh, when I got a call I was actually like not sure what this which job was this. Like I applied for so many jobs I, I wasn't even sure. But yeah they basically called me. They said can we set up an interview? We had a quick chat and they're like we're gonna do a follow up interview with uh, the rest of the team.
0: This initial call was just like a kind of screening call, it sounds like, maybe, maybe 15, 20 minutes just getting to know you a little bit.
1: Yes, just a sh- very short call uh, just to see what I've done, uh, what I know. I think they just wanted to see that I'm a normal guy, that you know you can have a proper conversation. It, it wasn't technical at all. So so basically, just to see if I'm interested, which I was, absolutely, uh, it's like I was waiting for one call <laughs> from anyone. Yeah. Then the second interview was meeting the team and they said to me, here's a a website we want you to build. Here's a PDF, how it should look. So there's just, you know, an image of the website that they want me to build. They're like, just uh, use plain CSS, HTML, and JavaScript. And don't use any bootstrap or anything like that. So I was like, yeah, cool. Fair enough. But like I said, I was working at Harry Potter at that time and the hours were insane, like absolutely insane. I was working 12, 13 hour shifts and then, you know, driving home. So that's an additional hour. So it's like 13 hours and you have to go and sit in front of a monitor. Well, before that I was sitting in front of monitors running automation and, you know, you have to go home and then code a, a website which is mobile responsive and all of this and it has to be perfect because you want to really yeah. show off right so
0: it was like a take-home task they gave you yeah yeah exactly
1: yeah it was but i just couldn't find time for it like you know i was so drained i was like this is not gonna work like i, I just cannot physically focus after you know 13 hours of work um, you know i can do like half an hour or a little bit and then um, uh, everything starts melting in front of me <laughs> And then I actually ended up sending them an email because they didn't really give me a time frame, but I mean, it's also like not a big task. So it shouldn't take me that long, but I ended up sending an email being apologetic. I was like, I'm actually sorry. I really cannot do this. This is my schedule. I'm doing this many hours a week and I cannot find time to sit down and do this. And I thought that was it. Like, you know, I'm never going to hear back from them. And that's it. And they turned around and they said, Listen, just take your time. When you're done with it, send it over. Whenever it is, just send it over. And I was like, OK. Then, then I felt really bad. I was like, Well, now I have to sit down and do this, you know? So I, I found time and I, you know, it doesn't matter if I'm working 13 hours, I'll spend an hour and a half and actually commit to it and get 10 coffees and Red Bulls and whatever I need to get it done. Um, which I did eventually, and I sent it back, and they they were happy. They're like, yeah, sweet, this this is fine. So I was in Melbourne. Their office is on the Gold Coast, which is next to Brisbane, and they're like, yeah, cool. Um, we'll organize a, a flight for you. Um, stay in a hotel for a couple of days to set you up with on everything on a laptop, all the environments, everything that you need. Uh, meet the team. You know, see that everything works for you. And I was like. Jesus, okay, this is happening. <laughs> the company wouldn't just pay for flights and hotel and all of this stuff for no reason. So yeah, I, I was like, okay, well, I need to roll the dice here. I, I, I need to decide if I'm staying with uh, theater life or turning a completely new leaf and um, in the age of 32, switching to a completely new career path where I spent last 10 years uh, building one career and now you have to go from scratch. And yeah, I, I did it. I was like, yep, yeah, you know, this is what I want to do. I jumped into university because of this. You know, I'm, I'm going to keep pushing this. It's not going to go away. So yeah, I quit my job, got on a plane, got there, met the team. They were awesome. I was like superbly surprised. You, you just don't expect much because you don't know what you're getting into. It's my first job. And yeah, it was, it was just awesome. It was just perfect.
0: Do you think that for someone changing jobs a little bit later in their life, how much stuff kind of transfers with you I mean you had a little bit of experience with configuring software and things but you'd been grinding to learn code and build your portfolio I guess I'm thinking more about sort of your teamwork and communication skills and that kind of thing
1: yeah well absolutely you know like I I worked as automation supervisor and technician so I I was supervising teams I worked in the companies where like on the cruise ships where you work with 20-30 different nationalities so you have to get along with uh, a lot of people and understand a lot of people and their backgrounds so I think a lot of it does transfer and uh, also being older I think you know way more what you want in life rather than being young and you know I'm gonna try this and if it doesn't work out doesn't matter when you're 30 you set your goals and go for it I think companies do look at that they see well okay this guy is serious and you know There's a portfolio, there's a a CV, very good looking, you know, there's a GitHub, there's this, there's that, you know, a lot of things just put together, yeah, shows the image that you are actually serious about it.
0: It's not the best thing in the world to be like, in your 30s or 40s and being called a junior. Like, it doesn't sound like the best thing ever, to be honest, but you are generally right that like someone who's been around the block a few times, you're bringing all that wisdom with you. Plus, not only is it likely that you're committed, but you've done the work to show that you haven't just like done one course and started applying to jobs. Because a lot of people, they study for a long time and then they start applying for jobs, but they're basically a ghost on the internet. Like there's no way for the employer to like increase their confidence that this person is serious. But what you'd been doing, it looks like, whether it was publishing your projects to GitHub, I think some of that you might've done retroactively, right? Like you mentioned sort of polishing your LinkedIn and things, but overall you give the impression that like you're super serious and and worth, worth taking a chance on.
1: Like we know that there's thousands of coders, right? And everybody's looking for a job and you want to be ahead of them. Like, why would a, a recruiter look at you and say, well, there's one right next to you. He does the same thing. Why you? You know, when you look at different videos on YouTube, they, they recommend, hey, you should have a good G- GitHub. And then another video says, well, you should have a good portfolio. And another, you should have a great CV. My my logic was like, well, I'll, I'll try and make a bulletproof plan. Like, If this fails, I'm already preparing for for it to fail. I'm setting a next thing to kick in. So I was just like continuously building on fail-safes that eventually one of them will catch someone's eye or all of them. You you know, you, you, you just want to be ready.
0: Well, here's what I think, actually. Like if you go over university routes and you get a computer science degree and you're planning on trading on that degree to get a job, then you're very much like kind of a cookie cutter template. Like everybody did the same curriculum and they got the same advice. But when you go the self-direction route like you did, you're not even close to being cookie cutter. Like you've got a totally unique thing to offer. And then your resume sort of reflects that. But yeah, it's quite a sobering image. Just remembering that it is always a competition, essentially, especially for for the good jobs, like the jobs that most people want
1: yeah it is you know but uh work on yourself like at least that's what i do i work on myself like i I don't look what other people do i just try to better myself i don't reckon that i'll ever stop learning you know it's just my desire is to find out how much can i learn where's the limit where's the where's that boundary like that i'll just be like okay I, I, that's it. Like I cannot comprehend more than this. I haven't found it yet, but I mean, you have setbacks. You you come to a, a, a problem and you're like bashing your head against it for days, and you're like this this just doesn't make sense. <laughs> Nothing makes sense anymore. But then one day it clicks, and then you're like oh okay yeah. How did I not see this? And then like half a meter away you bump into a, a worse problem than that, and it's just like a continuous thing. But you you have to be okay with also those setbacks, like it's just the whole process of it. You you fail continuously, Uh, but I mean, at the end of the day, you only fail when you stop trying. So if you get back at it to try it again, you still didn't fail. I don't know, that's the way I see it, at least.
0: I think they're very inspiring words and a beautiful way to end this episode. Milos, thank you so much for coming on the Scrimper Podcast.
1: Pleasure. Absolute pleasure.
0: That was Milos from Australia by way of Serbia, by the way. Remember to please subscribe to the Screamer podcast, both to see interviews with inspiring guests like Milos, but also to support the show. I really think when you subscribe, you open up the possibility of stumbling upon an episode that totally changes your perspective, or at the very least gives you a bit of inspiration in the case that you need some motivation. This episode was edited by Jan Ossinovic, and I am your host, Alex Booker. You can follow me on Twitter, at BookerCodes, where I share highlights from the podcast and other news by. Scrimbo. I will see you next week on the Weekly Scrimbo Podcast.